Hello again, friends. Welcome in for mile 48 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. After a brief winter hibernation, we are glad to be back with you. And we bring back in one of our favorite guests, Marnie Soombal. Join us once again to discuss two new books she's put out since we last had her on the podcast. So Marnie joined me this week, and we had a great discussion about logging your runs, triathlon training, training by effort, and so much more. So here's Marnie. All right, Marnie, welcome back in. It's good to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So since we last spoke, you have published two books, most recently Athlete to Triathlete, which we are going to get into shortly. But first, a little shorter work that you did that I am a huge fan of is the 365-Day Running Journal. Log workouts, improve your runs, stay motivated. And at this time of the year, I think this is a great way to start as we kick off 2020. It's really easy for everybody the first of the year to want to get going. And now as we've moved through the month, the gym's getting a little less crowded. The trail's not quite as busy as it was. And we're trying to help people stick with those goals that they've set. So this book gives you a written running log, which is something that we've talked about on the show before that we're big fans of. For you, why a written log? Well, thank you so much for having me. My uh, mind and fingers have been extremely busy over the last year writing these two books, but uh, it's so great to see them both in print now and in the hands of other people that can benefit from them. Um, You know, with the running journal, I was really excited about this because I'm still a pen and paper type of person when it comes to to to-do lists or getting my thoughts out on um, out to the world or on paper literally I even journaled when I was younger for many many years and I still look back at those journals just to see what was going on in my life back then Mm -hmm. but I think in today's society where we're so data driven and so much technology and on the internet so much I think it's really nice to just be able to have something that you can easily record what you do for your workouts or motivation or what is going on in your life at the moment um, and be able to refer back to it quickly and easily and carry it with you. But I also think that the great thing about a running journal is that you can be proactive and reactive. Mm. So you can be proactive in the way that you can map out your training in advance and kind of see it through the week or the month, whether you're just an exerciser, a fitness enthusiast, an athlete. So you can really plan ahead, maybe look at the weather, look at maybe any past trends and that may influence what you're about to do but also you can be reactive so that's the whole purpose of a journal right is to be able to report what happened and then you able to see if there's any trends over time and also you can see the progress that you've made and that can be very motivating as well 
Yeah, so you just hit on the next spot I was going with, both goal setting and reflection. You refer to it as being reactive. What are the themes or trends you might be looking for when you see, I look back on a bad performance or a good performance, and this is what my log said before. So those themes, as well as to find those, what are the really important things that you would want people to record? Well, I think that it's really important to acknowledge that every athletic journey is going to have highs and lows. It's never smooth sailing. I have been uh, an endurance triathlete for about 14 years consecutively, and I've had great highs and I've had really low lows and everything in between. So I think as it it relates to setting goals and seeing your progress and keeping motivated is to really understand that there's going to be really good workouts. And I like to say, put those in your memory bank because you hold on to those, especially if you're doing a race, you want to remember how good you feel. But also there's going to be other workouts where you just don't feel like showing up. You don't feel good for the workout. Um, Maybe you have a niggle or something that you have to adjust the workout or skip the workout. But those workouts aren't wasted. And if you can pull out something positive from the workout, Mm. such as I was able to listen to my body and I'm very proud that I had a niggle, I respected it, I skipped the workout and then the next day I was fine. So if it happens again, you can refer back to that or maybe it needed two or three days to recover from. Or maybe in one of my favorite examples is just a lot of times you have um, a breakthrough right after a period of as I say, feeling blah or being feeling like you're in a plateau, like I, you're just grinding away, not seeing any improvements, but it's almost like the moment when you're about to quit, that's when the breakthrough is about to happen. Mm. And sometimes you can track that and you can see, okay, I know that when I'm in peak training or I'm just exercising continuously that I'm going to get to a point where it just feels like I want to quit and then you push on one more day and then it feels like you just went to a whole new level with your fitness. Mm. Yeah, great point there about seeing those great workouts, but putting in a, a perspective of it's not a roller coaster. No one good one or bad one makes or breaks your training cycle. Now, when you can look back on a log and see consistency, it's one of my favorite things about a written log that I do before a big race is I go back through everything I've done in that cycle and really build confidence knowing that I put in a lot of good work, right? I'm ready for this now, and I always encourage my athletes to do the same thing. Other things outside of running, though, that you note when you're logging that you think are really important in your progress because it's not just about how many miles did I do the pace the workouts yeah when I was writing this book I went through a lot of different types of um factors that can contribute to your workout progression or consistency or monitoring trends or noting fitness improvements. And the the main ones that I really wanted to focus on were things like weather. So mm-hmm. what what is it hot? Is it cold? Is it windy? That may influence where you train. So for example, you maybe went to an indoor track or outside on the road or treadmill. Um, also the distance and time that it took you to complete the 
workout, and, and I'm a big proponent of uh, time-based training, but a lot of people like to record their distances as well. I also wanted to put down aches or pain because I think that a lot of athletes in particular, they have kind of ongoing soreness or niggles. It's just part of the game of, you know, pushing your body. At some point, you, you have things kind of creep up every now and then and you want to take care of them immediately but also some things you can train through some things you can't and you can maybe monitor these aches and pains like my achilles was tight um or and then you look back and you say oh i just did a hill workout and then also workout nutrition and i think that's really important especially for coaches as well Mm -hmm. if they're monitoring their athlete to you know if an athlete is having a not so good workout asking what did you eat before the workout what did you use for fuel during the long workout and also rpe which is ratings of perceived exertion. So you rating the workout. And I think we can look at this in two different ways. You could be having a very, what on paper is an easy workout, maybe just easy efforts, but because you had a stressful day of work or you had a really tough workout the day before, you may rank that easy workout as very difficult. So on the five on the highest of the scale whereas maybe a few weeks ago you were fresh and life was very smooth sailing your kids were behaving you got good sleep and maybe on that day your rpe was one and i think that's also really important to acknowledge is that um, not every workout is going to be linear in terms of fitness improvements there's going to be factors that influence how that workout goes yeah there's a ton of great stuff to unpack there you hit late in that discussion uh, on sleep. That's one that I've focused in more on having some of my athletes log to see those trends because you're right, when you have a family and you have kids and a full-time job, that's a whole lot bigger factor than me, single guy who can get to bed when he wants and wake up when he wants, right? Yeah, and even for me as a coach, when I'm reading the uh, feedback from my athletes, and we do use um, software programs just because it's easy to connect with athletes that live all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the the feedback from athletes, it's really important in the notes and reflection category to, to acknowledge what is going on in your life. Um, you know, did you have a restless night of sleep because your kids – got you up or maybe your spouse snores or maybe it was just brain and or you had a lot on your mind and you couldn't get a good um solid eight hours or seven hours of sleep or whatever you normally need to feel rested in the morning doesn't necessarily mean that you have to skip the workout the next day but it's something you want to keep in mind going into the workout hey i'm i'm probably not going to be at my best today because i didn't sleep well or Writing that down in your journal, you can then look back and say, oh, that's probably why I got sick a few days later. Yeah, that's a I big was one. Pushing through with restless sleep and not, and I was traveling and I wasn't, you know, just kind of ignoring all these signs and then you end up sick. Yeah. It also may be an explanation as to why if you do the prescribed workout, that effort scale becomes more difficult for yep. you, right? When you can look back on that as well. You mentioned your tendency to prescribe time-based efforts. And I've done both mileage and time-based. Why do you prefer a time-based approach? I believe 
that the time-based approach really reflects quality training. And if we look at a few examples, you have athletes that are different fitness levels and they may be training for the same event, whether it's a 5K or a marathon or a triathlon, a sprint or a half Ironman distance. But it's going to take some people longer if you just go by uh, paces. It's going to take people long, some people longer to complete, let's say, a 10-mile run um, if you're running 10-minute miles versus 12-minute miles versus 7-minute miles. And what I feel is encouraging is when athletes can focus on the workout itself and not feel that they have to achieve a given outcome in terms of the distance, but really putting the energy into the workout itself, the the purpose of the workout, the structure of the workout, and also factoring in those other variables that may influence the workout. Mm. So instead of feeling like, ah, I'm tired and now I have to go run 10 miles today, okay, well now I know that my warm up is 20 minutes, I can keep it really easy, my main set is um, five, eight minutes and, and build, so I can just build, maybe ease myself into it and then I can cool down and then when I'm done with the workout, I can go on with the rest of my day. It also helps going by time because then you also can fit in training into your busy life. And so many people are really struggling for time these days. And when you know that, oh, I just have a 20 minute workout or okay, I have an 80 minute exercise session. Maybe it's um, some cardio and some strength training. You can factor that into your day without feeling like it's, it's a pass or fail type workout. Well, if I can't get in the 10 miles that I'm supposed to, then why bother? Okay, it's 80 minutes, I think I can put this in, or I can even scale it back and I can still feel accomplished for the day. A process rather than outcome-oriented approach, and particularly, as you mentioned, on longer stuff, that can be, the mileage approach can get dangerous, especially for a more novice runner and you can speak to the triathlete version of that more if you'd like, but for a novice runner when we're in, say, a marathon training block, someone who's working at 10, 11, 12-minute miles, if we talk about going out for 20 miles, that's a really substantial effort. And we're going to find, after a certain point in time, the return on investment really drops, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen athletes waking up at three in the morning in order to get their long workout for the day. Um, Athletes will look for the easiest way to complete a workout so they can get the miles in. So maybe instead of working on some hills or some more technical terrain, they'll choose something flat so they can get in the miles as quickly as possible. Mm. Um, When there could be great value in working on some of the um, strength components that we need as endurance athletes, for example. And also there's so many different ways to achieve a similar outcome in your own journey. And we have to keep that in mind. You're on your own journey. So when you're comparing your 12-minute miles for running to somebody that's doing 8-minute miles for running, you can still hope that you'll get there one day, but that shouldn't be a focus that you should be training just like that person who is running 8-minute miles. 
there's many different ways that we can change the physiology to help people prepare for an endurance event. As an example, talking about these long workouts, uh, for some of my athletes that may be out there longer than others, you know, when we're really talking about managing fatigue and building resilience for that long duration, I really like two-a-day workouts, so splitting up a long run into two different sessions, so maybe doing 90 minutes in the morning, which is a good endurance workout, and then doing another 30 minutes in the evening instead of having somebody run two two hours continuously. We can also do back-to-back-to-back workouts, so maybe doing a, a Friday night run, a Saturday morning long run, and then a Saturday evening run. We can also incorporate um, treadmill walking or the elliptical to still get the cardio without the pounding of running. So there's just a lot of different ways. And and that's important to recognize that you can be creative. It's not mm-hmm. by the book. And so when you are writing these things down in your journal, you can also look back at everything you accomplished throughout your journey and not just counting all the miles. To paraphrase uh, Coach Renato Canova, the only limitation on training is our own creativity. Mm-hmm. And you're also hitting on if there is any perhaps mantra of this show about training, it's know what's appropriate for you and know why you are doing what you are doing when you are doing it. And you spoke beautifully to those points right there. Now, on the uh, perceived exertion and effort scale. One, one more point on that before we get into what the actual scale is later on. When somebody has a hard workout and then we go out the next day and you prescribe an easy day, but that easy day is harder on the scale than it otherwise might be, would you cue that athlete to function at a slower pace than normal to accommodate for that? Would you prefer that person to even dial back the pace more than normal after something that is particularly difficult? I think it's hard for athletes to really be able to subjectively quantify what is fast and what is slow because, I mean, let's look at any running race. The first mile, you go out and you can try to hold back as much (laughs) as you want, and it's still like you look at your watch and you're like, holy cow, I never run this fast, and it just feels so easy and if someone said run slow it just it's like no I can there's no way I'm running so fast but it just feels so easy so I think instead of using the word slow and fast because that can really go back to paces and we don't want to get stuck on quantifying a pace as this is my fast pace this is my slow pace but really using RPE in terms of levels of effort and so For example, instead of saying slow, say this is easy. And one day, a certain effort may feel easy. And in another day, that same effort that you did the other day may feel hard because of the stress that you're carrying around, the fatigue that you're carrying around, uh, maybe didn't fuel properly for the workout. And so I think it's really easy for athletes to identify terms like easy, smooth, steady, strong, very strong, and be in the moment, focus on the process of what you're doing, and use those words on that day without having expectations or assumptions 
or associating it with something in the past or maybe trying to jump ahead in the future. So on this day, this effort feels easy. And then you can always go back and look at your, if you do have metrics and uploading your your gadgets and seeing your pace and your heart rate and uh, cadence and other variables like that, then you can always look back and, and see, was it really as easy as I thought? And then you get more intuitive with your body and efforts and you know, that occurs over time, the more advanced that you get with more training, you get to learn your body a lot better. But I think for the time being, no matter what level you are, is just thinking about on this day, what feels very hard, and not associating it or tying an effort with a given pace. Because you could be doing hill repeaters, you could be on the track, and a pace on a hill is going to be very different than a pace on the track. But you might be uh, able to go really strong on a hill, and you might be running nine-minute miles, and on the track you may be going very strong, and it may be seven-minute miles. And so both of those are very strong efforts. So you just really want to think about what is that effort on that day for the given workout. Yeah, so it might be appropriate to have that focus on easy, which I think has become more difficult in our society because of all the ways we can compare ourselves to what other people are running. Like Strava. Yeah, right? And And so it might then be appropriate to know what's easy for that day. And you mentioned the data that's on the gadgets to not even look at those during the run but instead reflect on them after. Mm-hmm. And, and they may have more value for you then because if you get through mile one and your normal easy day feels like it's around eight minutes or something, and today it's at nine, if you start putting pressure on yourself to run faster because I should be doing my easy days at this certain pace, you might get yourself into a tough spot. Yeah, and I, also when we think about newer runners as an example, When you're starting to train for a 5K or getting into the sport of running, even if it's just casually becoming a runner, there may not be an easy effort when you Mm. start. Yeah. And and that can be very frustrating to a lot of people because their their effort may be this is hard and this is very hard. Yeah. And that's all that they have. But you don't want to just not train or say that you just have to be walking because of it. We got to find another way so that when you finish the workout, you still are perceiving it as an easy workout. Mm. So for example, maybe we do a run walk strategy. Maybe we do more frequency running so that it's, you're doing 20 minutes, five days a week, instead of doing an hour, three days a week. Let's find a way where you can still feel like you are having an easier session. You're working hard at some sessions, um, but do it in a way that it's constructive and not damaging to your self-esteem, feeling like you can't get anything out of that workout. Great point. What else is in the book that makes it more than just a place to record your runs? I have, I love quotes. I'm a big believer in quotes. I just feel like it can just set the tone for the day or just really um, wrap up the day in in a nice little 
concise summary. Um, so I have a lot of quotes in the book. Do you Just, have a favorite? That do you're I have a favorite? Oh, I have. I have so many in in this book, and and I'm just looking through um, the book right now, and I just you, you have it open to the page that I had the one that was my favorite. That is, right. I actually like this one as well. When you arise in the morning, think of what a pre- precious privilege it is to be alive, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, to love, and I spent a lot of time because it's not a very um, detailed journal in terms of a lot of information. Mm -hmm. Um, There are essays on topics like strength training and nutrition and motivation um, and recovery. So there is a lot of of educational content, but the, the body of the book is all about the journal. But I spent a lot of time trying to figure out the right quotes to go at the Mm -hmm. right time and really knowing, thinking about what is going to be necessary at what stage in the journal and I also have tips so for example and you can use this journal any time of the year so it's not dated you can pick it up in March or in uh, November and start the journal it's just by week so you can record it uh, day one day seven through every week so for example week 44 so we're talking way into somebody's journey I have a tip a running plateau where you no longer see improvements right we've all been there it's normal. Instead of running more, explore your sleep, recovery, nutrition, and fueling strategies to help encourage a breakthrough. So there's little tips and quotes throughout the journal that I felt would be appropriate and needed at various stages of somebody's um, progression. The quote you read there is from Marcus Aurelius, the mm-hmm. Stoic, who famously wrote that the obstacle is the way. It's not how do we get around the obstacle in front of us, which to me is such a powerful metaphor, excuse me, powerful metaphor for running or triathlon that we'll get to here. It's moving through that, not around it, facing that, being in it, living with it, understanding what those challenges feel like is such a central aspect to how we accomplish great things in endurance sport. Oh, absolutely. And in in life in general, there's going to be setbacks and we just have to accept that. And I think that having a journal to record your thoughts, record your progress, your setbacks as well, it's really great because you are going to get through them. You are going to overcome things along the way. And it's really nice to be able to look back on that. And if it happens again, or if you find yourself in a sticky situation, you'll know that you have the strength to get through it. Yeah, my journal I keep is is peppered with quotes of the stuff I read through the day. So I loved that little oh, ad- addition that you had there. Thanks. So let's go ahead and move on to Athlete to Triathlete, your yeah. newest work. And I can use some help here because all I do is run. Every <laughs> once in a while I'll get in the pool. I'm not getting on a bike, so I need your guidance. And let's take a step back and talk about just your triathlon team that you work with so people who maybe aren't familiar can understand what you do with Tri Marnie. Yeah. Well, Athlete to Triathlete, um, it was my third book, and I would say it was the most difficult book to write, the most comprehensive book. The reason being my first book was sports on sports nutrition, essential sports nutrition, but there's so much research and textbooks and information out there to, to pull some really good information and pack it all together into one book. But the sport of triathlon 
It's still developing. It's still in its infancy in terms of it hasn't been around as long as running has. Um, It's still a sport that can feel overwhelming and confusing to the typical person who, what, you swim, bike, and run? Do you, is that the race in Kona? Or is it, (laughs) you know, is an Ironman something I can do, you know, train for? People aren't really sure. They throw around these words of what is a triathlon, but there really isn't. Um, I felt that there, what was missing was a book to help people get into the sport of triathlon. And a lot of the books out there cater to more endurance at triathletes or athletes that are already in the sport of triathlon and want to longer distances or want to do better as a triathlete. And athlete to triathlete is really targeting the active individual who perhaps comes from a swimming or biking or running or some kind of fitness background and is interested in this three sport lifestyle. And I say lifestyle because, you know, even as a runner yourself, you get in the pool for cross training. And I think that's what's so great about triathlon is that there is swimming, there's biking and there's running and there's, you can do strength training and and yoga and stretching and all this. So it really can become a good lifestyle where you're not just doing one thing every day. It's a great way just to stay active and healthy and fit. Um, It can be a little bit daunting to think about training for three sports. Um, I came from a swimming background, so I definitely found uh, cycling the most difficult for me. But you know, that's the the exciting part of triathlon is stepping into su- something that's unfamiliar and really giving it a go and seeing what you're capable of achieving with your body. At our uh, business, Trimarni Coaching and Nutrition, um, what we cater to is endurance athletes. So that is the specialty that me and my husband really focus on is helping athletes in the half and the full uh, distance triathlon, so the longer distances. Um, However, this book caters to athletes that are focusing on getting into the sport and people who have been in the sport for maybe a few years and really trying to get more out of their triathlon journey or step up to maybe an Olympic distance or see what else is out there. Yeah, on that note, you open the book with a section called Why Try. So for you, why try? Why that switch? You said you come from a swimming background. What has led you to this place? That's a great question. I went from swimmer to runner, trained for a marathon when I was in graduate school, um, dabbled in triathlon when I was still in undergrad, um, but really got hit hard by the endurance triathlon bug after I did my marathon um, and then got into longer distance triathlon. Um, So why do I try? Well, I have always been active. Growing up as a competitive athlete, I enjoyed training for something. So I enjoyed having a long-term goal, something to focus on, the camaraderie of training with other people or seeing other people at events. I really enjoyed being an athlete. And when I stopped doing that after college, I missed that part of it. But really what I learned is that Training for an event gives purpose to exercise. And I know for myself, I want to have something bigger than 
maybe just exercising to burn calories because we know exercising is good for you and helps you maintain a healthy body weight or uh, training for an event as a way to relieve stress but in a way where I also know that every day that I'm doing this, I'm working towards something big. So I'm still able to enjoy the activity because I'm relieving myself of the stress that I built up throughout the day or the week. But also I know that through that, I can also prepare my body physically for some kind of event. So it just gives me great purpose uh, and structure to what I'm doing. And I love the process of seeing what my body can do. I, I feel that that's something that an exerciser can't really grasp when you're just showing up at the gym. But when you sign up for an event, a 5K, a sprint triathlon, when you have something that you're training for that you're focusing on and it doesn't even mean that the training has to be perfect because it never is but you know that there's an end goal you can see yourself going from point a to point b and really seeing wow i can't believe that i got there or i got to the start line or i got to the finish line and from there you then dream a little bit bigger and you set your goals a little bit higher and i think that's needed in life i think we spend so much time taking care of other people and spending so much time at work you need some time you know self-care on yourself really dedicating your time and energy to your own needs and seeing what you're capable of achieving There is an unparalleled beauty to that opportunity to challenge yourself and learn what your present limits are, how you can evolve that moving forward, where your strengths lie or your weaknesses. And that, as you said, signing up for a race, in in your case, triathlon, presents that moment or number of hours (laughs) where you get to really find out the answers to those questions and you're right going to the gym it's wonderful for you going out on an easy jog it's fantastic I would never discourage it but you don't press the human body to a limit the way you do in competition and competition doesn't even have to read I'm out there to beat someone it's competition within yourself, right? And it can be a, co- a cooperative competition with the people around you. You know, you, I'm sure, have been in the setting of doing your workouts with a group of six or eight or ten, and you find a different gear than you might have in that same setting alone for that workout. You know, what's great about the sport of triathlon is that it is challenging. It's challenging to train for because you're training for three different events. You're doing the events back to back to back. And in training, you may do it back to back. So you may do a bike and then a run right afterwards. It's definitely challenging. But a lot of people are afraid to start something because they don't want to fail. Mm. And they're afraid of the challenge. They're afraid uh, the fear of failure. They're afraid of messing up or looking silly. And I feel that with the sport of triathlon, it is when you surround yourself with the right people, the right team, the right coach, the right uh, training partners, it is a, a lift me up type of sport where every time you do something you feel successful because you're training for a three sport event i've been doing this for 14 years i've been swimming for over 25 years and i still find myself 
wowing at myself. Like, wow, I can't believe I did that. And I think that's what's so cool about the sport of triathlon is you're not just focused on one event. Um, A lot of people tend to get better with age, uh, so their endurance improves. And so you're able to go longer or get stronger in that sense. And you have three different sports to focus on. So you might be having a a bad day running, but you may feel great biking. Or you can really put your energy into improving your swimming skills. So I think it's something really special to dip your toes into the sport of triathlon and hopefully my book can help people feel less overwhelmed not only with the training or the sport itself but also what really goes on during a triathlon what is it like when you show up for the race and what are these transitions where you go from swimming to biking and biking to running and what are you expected to feel throughout the race and some of the the struggles that you may experience on race day if we can move people from that fear of failure you just mentioned, that space, and shift that paradigm to an excitement about opportunity, you can accomplish so much more. You referenced there some of the issues of, of balance, both among disciplines uh, and then also between training and life that I'm sure are a challenge for a triathlete. How can the book help you work your way toward a better balance a little while ago you mentioned the person who wakes up at 3 a.m to get in the long workout if you have to wake up at 3 a.m and you normally get up at six it's probably not worth it right we probably need better balance so where can the book guide us towards a little better balance yeah i think it's taking away some of the guesswork because when you're training for three sports and you know what's really cool about the sport of triathlon is that usually when people get into it and they complete a race they get into it hard they love the sport Mm. it's really hard to get out of the sport once you love it just because you're hungry for more you want to do better you love the experience and the people that that you're surrounded with so um because of that it ends up being athletes get stuck into uh quantity instead of quality Mm -hmm. and so they want to do more miles and more volume. And that is not always good um, because it can take away from other aspects of life, your sleep, your nutrition, your relationships, um, you know, good recovery. Um, but also there's this thing called junk miles where you're just going out there and not really focusing on skills or strength or uh, certain um, aspects of race day that you can practice in training and it's and athletes can just get stuck into chasing miles oh well i so i'm going to interject here for a moment because let's have a little aside about junk miles as you put it that's a really interesting concept to me what does that phrase mean to you what do you consider to be junk mileage well every person should have a training plan that fits into the scope of their life. So thinking about how much sleep you you should get every night, how much time you dedicate to work, any extracurriculars or family obligations, and and then also just time for self-care. If you like to read books or you need to walk your dog or whatever else it is that makes you happy or other to-dos. Everybody's going to have a certain amount of time. Now, you might have to carve into some of those areas, but hopefully not in extreme. 
but you look into that available time that you have and within that you want to make sure that every workout has a purpose mm-hmm. and it's not just the workout itself on the day but also that the training is progressive in a way that you're able to adapt to different training stressors over time so over the course of several weeks and several months and when we think about junk miles is when there's no rhyme or reason to what the athlete is doing or they assume that if I do more mileage I'm going to be a better athlete or I will be more prepared and so it really goes into the quality and what is happening within the framework of that workout which then fits into the scope of your whole day Mm -hmm. and anything outside of that then becomes junk because it doesn't have a positive you don't have a positive return to your training investment and that can be hard for a lot of people because you don't really know you know some individuals are going to go into things undertrained and underprepared and some individuals will go in overprepared or overtrained. And so you really want to think about making sure that your training is realistic for you and that it has a purpose and more is not necessarily better. Yeah, I would echo almost the same definition. You use some key words there to me, purpose, making sure it fits into the schedule you've laid out. And if you can't stay healthy doing it then it's probably junk with that said if we can create a larger aerobic base whether we're looking at mileage on the bike or on the road running or how many yards or meters you're getting in in the pool that can long term have huge positive effects for you it's just getting there at the appropriate time for you once again what just trying to force more on at the end of the day isn't inherently better. Yeah, I I would encourage individuals, no matter what level you are, is to really not look at your training as one workout in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that can get athletes into so much trouble, with especially with injuries and burnout, because they just put so much weight and mental energy into one workout. We want to think about... A series of workouts we want to think about um, uh, consistency with training and it goes back to the journaling as well when you can look at all that you've accomplished instead of just putting energy into that one training session um, that you uh, you biked for 50 miles but what did you what did you do within that session and how did that impact your future training sessions? Yes. Um, where did it fall with your previous training sessions? Uh, there's so much more you can get out of the training. And and I really like the idea of spicing up training with a little bit more intensity instead of just higher volume. Because when you have easy sessions, but then when you go hard on the hard sessions, you feel really accomplished for those hard sessions but plus and then you need to recover from them and by doing that by having some intensity into your workout instead of just focusing on longer 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 miles which is tends to be the junk miles you can get so much more out of it and I mean if you want to think about it in a simple way is let's do the least amount of work with the biggest payout yeah the most the smartest the most efficient work right right? yeah that that, that's a that's a huge point 
what would be your maybe biggest tip for the novice triathlete? We've gotten into, I perceive, some higher level thought questions here for the triathlete. So let's step, just dial that back a little bit and and re-engage the person who's new to the sport. First thing you might tell that person. Triathlon is cross-training. So you're doing three different activities as a mode of exercise. And swimming is probably the area that most most people are least familiar with. I would say that most people are familiar with running. And then we have biking kind of in the middle. Maybe you're comfortable on a bike or maybe you just never ridden a bike. Think of it as cross-training where you get to do something different every day. And that should be fun that you get to wake up in the morning and it's new and it's exciting. Mentally engaging. And it's, yes, it's something that's stimulating as well. Mm. Now, you might have your favorites. You might dislike one area. But that doesn't mean that you still can't get something out of it and you can still enjoy it in some capacity by just feeling accomplished that you did something. I would also say that you really want to make sure that you're not neglecting strength and skills Mm -hmm. and I think that's an area that gets a lot of people in trouble because it goes back to the kind of the what I would say the runner mentality of accomplishing miles and feeling validated of your progress or your athletic worthiness of how many miles you can complete focus on the strength and skill component where you want to feel yourself getting stronger because triathlon is a strength-based sport because you have to be able to resist fatigue. You know, there's standard distances of the sprint and then you can kind of piggyback off that depending on the race. So it could take somebody an hour to 90 minutes to do a sprint triathlon. Sprint sounds short, but it's not a 5K. And so you need to be able to resist fatigue. And in order to do that, you need to be good at not slowing down. And we want to think about that when it comes to the training, when you're more efficient and you really focus on doing things well, as opposed to just getting them done, not only is it going to be more gratifying because you're going to experience uh, improvements that are really going to translate into a better experience on race day, you're going to reduce the risk for injury but you're also going to get so much more out of the training session because you're really focused on one thing or a few things within that workout as opposed to just swimming laps because you need to check off swimming a thousand yards for the day. Right there with what you just described at the end, I was drawn to the vision of a 100 meter sprint. You watch the 100 meter dash at the Olympics. It is not the person in the final 20 to 30 meters who suddenly accelerates past everyone with the exception of maybe Ben Johnson on steroids in 88 at Seoul. It's who decelerates the least. And that deceleration is impacted by the skills, the form, the mechanics, the strength that you develop earlier on, your drive phase as you move through. And I I would have to imagine late in a triathlon of any distance the less you break down mechanically the more likely you are to be successful and if you are a stronger all-around athlete and have mastered your skills that seems to be a really great way to work yourself towards 
a more successful completion of the event. Yeah, and you know, with triathlon, we don't want to see it as, you know, a one and done type of thing, like you just check it off that you did a triathlon. Mm -hmm. And I really believe it can be a great part of your lifestyle to be a triathlete and to look forward to doing different sports every day and um, challenging yourselves and mastering different disciplines and improving the swimming, the biking, and the running. Um, And you don't have to be great at all three. (laughs) I mean, you can be... um, you know, you can be a um, less experienced runner, but a great swimmer. And that's fantastic because you can have the confidence from the beginning of the race and know that, okay, over time, I'm going to keep working on the running. Or maybe you're a great runner, but you need to work on swimming. Um, But if you can get through the swim, you're still going to cross that finish line. So it's just focusing on the journey and really not Um, making sure that you're not putting too much focus into trying to be perfect or comparing yourself to other people. The triathlon is so great because once you get to that start line, it's an individual race and it's really about how you get to that finish line. It doesn't matter how fast you go. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what kind of background you come from. It's really about just proving to yourself what you can accomplish on that day. Building off that, what would then be the number one tip for someone who really struggles with one of the disciplines? Don't give up on yourself. Um, We've all been there. Every elite, professional, advanced athlete has struggled in some area, and they probably still are struggling because they're still comparing themselves to their competition as well. Um, So if you're struggling in an area, I would say invest in help. Um, There's a lot of good coaches out there. There's a lot of good programs, podcasts. Um, Don't overwhelm yourself because a lot of the information could be misleading. Um, Buy my book because that will help. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if if you do struggle with some area um, of swimming or biking or running, find somebody that is an expert in that area. So good credentials, good reputation. You align with their philosophy of how they either educate or what they believe in or their background um, and and connect with them. And it may just be hearing things differently. I've learned as a coach that you can say the same thing to five different people and maybe only two of them grasp the information. It's really about hearing things or seeing things in a certain way. I mean, you can tell somebody, you know, when they're running to relax their shoulders and somebody else, you can say, um, you know, uh, keep a strong core and it may achieve the same outcome, but in two different people. Um, it's just how you hear it, how you, how you, what you focus on and the best way that you are able to take that information to your own journey. So definitely invest in, in some type of coach to help you out and don't get frustrated um, with your when you feel like you're not improving because it does take time especially swimming I mean swimming takes a long time because it's a skills focused sport um, your whole you have to learn how to hold yourself in water so it's very different than holding yourself on land um, and it takes the longest time to feel comfortable in the water to master the breathing and the technique um, it could take years to really see huge improvement but that doesn't mean that you should give up on your journey just because you're not in you're not seeing the results every day you are making improvements last thing here we've been on the perception of effort 
and I'd love for you to go through that scale in a little bit more detail. This is a, an incredibly valuable tool that an athlete can use in any or all of these disciplines. Yeah, so if I if I had to think about not talking about nutrition, but if I had to think about why athletes get injured or burn out or lose love of the sport is that they're so focused on they have expectations for the workout and everything is tied into paces or miles. So there's a number that's that is worthy of chasing. I think that there is so much better value into perceived effort when you're swimming, when you're biking, when you're running. It's going to make the journey more enjoyable. You can listen to your body. You can focus on your own health and and what you're trying to focus on on that day. Um, And it takes time to learn how to use RPE, but it's something that can really help you, especially in the sport of triathlon, because it is a fatigue-based sport. So if you're comparing your running times in a standalone run to what you would be doing running off the bike after you've been exercising for over an hour, if you're comparing yourself to a standalone run time and what your pace would be in, let's say, a 5K race versus running a 5K at the end of a triathlon when you've already been running for or exercising for over an hour, that pace is going to be very different. So learning how to use RPE and listen to your body, you will get so much more out of it. So in the book, in in two different areas, I have our RPE reference, and I use zones, but we can also use levels. That's another easy way to think of it. And I also compare it to RPE. So we have zone one, which would be like an RPE of four out of 10, 10 being the hardest, one being the easiest. So it's around four and we call it easy. And that's a very sustainable effort. We say ridiculously easy. So mm, you just good. can't go too easy mm-hmm. and enjoy it as well. And then we have zone two, which is an RPE of five out of 10. So this is a step up from easy. Uh, and I like to say it's it's smooth. So it's comfortable effort, you know, just kind of smooth. You can maintain it for several hours, hold a conversation. Mm. And that's really important. And as we talked about earlier, you know, different fitness levels, they may find these RPEs challenging at first, but that's something to work for over time. Then we have zone three, which is about a six or seven out of 10. So we're getting up there. It's beginning to be steady effort. You can sustain the the effort for a reasonable amount of time, but there could be some fatigue and soreness. And I call this kind of the the gray zone because people love this zone because they feel like they're getting a really good workout but the problem is that it's not hard but it's not easy and if we resort to it all the time then we're not able to then get the most out of our body when we need to go hard and then we're working too hard when we need to go easy yeah i think getting stuck in the middle is one of the great dilemmas that athletes face Yeah. So a key here is that you shouldn't feel breathless, but the conversation is limited to quick and simple responses. So an easy thing that you can do is when you're going out and you're you're biking or running, as an example, is try to say the alphabet. And if you can't sing the alphabet, you're probably going too hard if you should be keeping it in zone two. 
And then we have zone four, which is strong. And if you're in zone three too often, you're probably not going to be able to get a really good strong. So we have our zone four, which is RP eight or nine out of 10. This is uncomfortable. It requires great focus. There's a, there's a risk of injury if you, you know, not listening to your body properly and not focusing on good form. Breathing is labored. You can barely speak. And because the intensity is high, we usually do short duration intervals. So this goes back to maybe the newer athlete. You know, if you you don't have an easy, you don't have a smooth, you don't have a steady, you just have a strong and a very strong, because this intensity is reserved for short intervals, we want to include rest breaks so that it's not overly taxing on the body and that it can be repetitive so you can bounce back from it over time. Um, and if you do go too hard for too long in this zone, then you are going to have some breakdown due to fatigue and poor form, and that's going to increase the risk for injury. And then we have our very strong. It's very, very short, so we're talking about 20, 30 second intervals. Um, you don't, you cannot speak at all. And what I love about the very strong is that because the effort is so short, and so uncomfortable that your mind is usually going to want to quit well before the body. So I usually say that when you start getting into the strong and the very strong and you really feel like your fitness is coming along, this is a really great area to focus on because this is where you start to learn more about yourself, where you say, wow, maybe I did 20 seconds strong, but now I can do 30 seconds strong. And that is a huge breakthrough for your mind to not quit on itself callousing the mind yeah right those are those are fantastic when i when i hear you lay that out i just think the advice here for everyone is in part keep those easy days easy and the hard days hard and start to feel what the difference between the two means in your body when you go from an exerciser to an athlete and you're training for an event you're trying to change your physiology and what that means is that some workouts have to be easy and some workouts have to be hard. So there's purpose in your training sessions. And we have to respect that that's part of being an athlete. And we can't worry on the easy days that we're not gaining fitness. We can't, um, we can't feel so uncomfortable on the hard days that we're worried about going too hard and we're going to be sore and, and you know, it, it can just be a tough thing full but if you do it right then you see improvements and those improvements then prepare you for the demands of your event marnie thank you so much for coming back yeah. in to join us our first return guest yay and thank you our pleasure the books are the 365 day running journal and athlete to triathlete which is also a tremendous uh, strength and stretch resource yep, too. There are pictures in there. There's training plans in there. There's nutrition advice, but I really want it to be a, a good reference for coaches, for athletes, um, for anybody who's in the sport of triathlon to feel more comfortable with the sport so that they can get more out of it and hopefully enjoy the sport as much as I have for over the past decade. Where can people find you if they're interested more in the books or your training, all things that you do? My website is trymarniecoach.com. I'm also on social media, on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Those are the two platforms that I use the most. So people can look up Trymarni, and I can be reached via my website 
on the contact form if people have questions about nutrition or training. We do group training camps, we do private training camps, we have a one-on-one -on -one coaching, we have training plans. We try to offer as much as we can to help out athletes, um, swimming, biking, running, one-on-one uh, -on -one work or nutrition. More than happy to help any type of uh, swim, bike, run individual. Well, keep up the great work, Marnie. Thank you. It's good having you. And we look forward to seeing what this fourth book is going to be that is I'm coming out. I'm going to take a break for a while. I was going to say, you're churning them out. You deserve a break. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Marnie Sumball, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you.